Ever wonder why some people or some businesses really stand out from others? Ever wonder how to become seen as an expert and a thought leader? If so, you are going to love this episode. Jane Tabachnik, founder of Simply Good Press, shares why you should care about PR. And I, frankly, had not given it much thought. And she laid out some great reasons for really understanding the importance of PR, getting the media interested in you, why doing really great work simply isn't enough to stand out. The importance of local media, another one that in the age of social media, I hadn't given much thought, but man, so important. And establishing credibility and really building authority. Sound good? Let's get started. Welcome to Imperfect Action. Of course, this is Brock Edwards, and I'm very excited for today's guest. We have Jane Tabachnik, and she is an award-winning content and publicity strategist who works with mission-driven entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, and authors who are frustrated they're not better known. So if that sounds like you, stick around. This is going to be a good conversation. And Jane, so the way you work with people, my understanding is you help them become highly visible and really create authority positioning and thought leadership. And so that's a a really nice, you know, 30-second elevator pitch. But what doesn't that pitch include? Like, how do you introduce yourself to people? Thanks for having me, first of all. Yeah, so I help people tell their story and tell it in a way that engages the listener or the viewer or the reader in such a way that they're compelled to find out more. And it also is in a way that positions them as an authority, a thought leader, an expert. So I I have to confess, I have a real love-hate relationship with the term thought leadership. And the, the reason being is because it's a low barrier to entry. Anyone can declare themselves a thought leader. I recall years ago when Twitter was just starting to break big, there were all kinds of Twitter thought leaders out there who had like 13 followers, but we're telling you how they were going to help you break big. But I know that there are also truly thought leaders, people whose opinion can sway the opinions of others, people who we look to as experts and authorities. And so I guess just kind of jumping in here, Typically, how do you become a thought leader? How do you become viewed as an authentic authority on things? Yeah, so a lot of it is sharing your experience, sharing great, valuable content, whether it's your own or someone else's. So part of it is being generous and helping to uplift and share other people's content to help other people's messages get seen. But it's based... So I'm going to jump in right there, Jane, because you are one of the first people I've heard say that, and that matches my own philosophy about the world. And so I want want to dive in a little deeper there because you immediately switched to not necessarily being about, you know, my or the creative person or the entrepreneur's content, but helping raise others. Why why is that so important? So Zig Ziglar, who folks may have heard of, Uh, big in the sales and business space said, you can get anything you want if you help other people get what they want. And that's really my MO. And I think it's a great way to be. I think we all do better if we work together and help lift other people. And of course, you have to find people who play in the sandbox the same way that you do. Not everyone does. But it's also a great way, and we'll probably dive into this more deeply, to get media coverage. That is one of the principles that really helps you stand out and can get the media interested in you. 
So, you know, fr- from my own experience, what I've observed, what I've experienced myself is that, you know, rising tide raises all ships. And by helping others stand out, you're kind of seen as the linchpin to it, or, you know, everyone points back at you. In fact, we were having a conversation before we hit record, you know, just kind of this mutual network of that all kind of centered around one person who does an amazing job of raising others. In fact, he's been a guest on the show, Michael Roderick. And anyway, how does that, I I get how that helps kind of becoming known, but how does that help with the press and the publicity side of it? Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to get press or visibility for yourself, your business, your book, whatever it is. It's a great goal, but it's, the mind shift and the nuance in which you approach it, that can make all the difference. So if you were to write to a Forbes editor and say, hey, I want to be featured in Forbes, they're like, who cares? But if you approach them and say, I would like to share with you how I've been helping people do X, Y, and Z, because I know your audience can learn from it. That's a game changer. And that's what they want to hear. What's in it for them? What's in it for their audience? And that's what all people want to know. What's in it for me? And so if you position something that way, then you'll get people's attention when you just say, hey, this is what I want. Who cares? Your mother? I mean, (laughs) you and your mother, right? So so it just changes the, the dynamic and it also shows that you care and, and people want to work with people who care, who aren't just about them. And I would agree with that. It's an interesting dynamic because, you know, we're society largely teaches us the whole dog eat dog world thing. You got to be, got to look out for number one, got to watch out for yourself first. And yet none of us want to do business with someone who's like that. You know, we all want to do business with people who, as you said, care, who we feel like they want us to succeed too. You know, I, I, for me, I've been breaking out. I bought a used car recently for my son and, you know, some car dealers from my experience do a great job of at least making you feel valued. And some of them do a great job of letting you feel like your check can't cash soon enough. And, and you want to take a shower after that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And never go back, never deal with them. Just kind of grit through the, the afternoon to get the car that you want. And it's just such a different experience. And so we know that like at best they get our business, but man, we're, we're just toughing it out because we need them for that moment. And it's not a repeat business thing. And so anyway, well, let, let me, let me ask, I, I, and I've got so many questions to ask you. So I apologize if this kind of jumps around a little bit. And so for the listener, this probably will jump around a little bit because I find this topic fascinating. But one of the things that you had said, one of the ways I introduced you here is that you work with mission-driven entrepreneurs. And that's a really interesting distinction to me versus just you know, entrepreneurs, why is that mission-driven part so important for you and, and for them? Yeah, so for me, look, there is a value to all businesses and, and you know, they can provide great services. For me personally, I'm attracted to and like to work with businesses that have a mission to change the world, to have an impact. And it may not be that they want to change 10 million people. They may just want to have an impact on a thousand people. That's fine. It, it can be small. It can be a huge goal, but 
it just shows me that there is a certain heart, there is that caring, and it's just something that aligns with my values and is important to me. And, and well, you know, and actually, it strikes me that not only there are they, you know, do they care, but they haven't, they typically have an interesting story that's more interesting than, hey, we want to make some money. And making money is okay. So I just, I really want to state that. And, and looking out for number one is okay too. It's just how you go about it. Right. And everyone can certainly do what they choose to do. But if you have a choice to do it in a way that can make an impact, can make money and support other people along the way, then why the heck not do it that way? And you'll probably get more press. And the interesting thing about this, so I'll I'll digress for a quick second. So I teach a class at New York's Fashion Institute in sustainable design entrepreneurship, basically eco-business. And the brands that have a mission that give back or, you know, like Bomba Socks gives one sock for every sock you buy, they donate a pair. Those have incredible brand loyalty and they attract better employees. Well, and so I, sorry, I, I paused because then I started thinking, well, now I want to talk about those kinds of businesses. Like why don't all businesses operate that way? But anyway, that's not the conversation we're here to have. So I'm going right. to rest- restrain my curiosity here. Uh, so, so we've got these mission driven and, and you're broad entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, authors. So I typically take that as, you know, creative types. And, and you, you mentioned people who are frustrated, they're not better known. And that's kind of interesting to me too, because I know a lot of creative types and you don't have musicians listed there, but I am mentally, I automatically throw them in that group there who are working really hard, who are equally as good as those people that we do know, and yet just aren't. And, and, and sometimes it's almost inexplicable as to why, you know, one, one author, one business, whatever is really well known when someone else of maybe even better quality just isn't. And, and why do we get that distinction? Why, why doesn't just the good work rise to the top? Yeah, it doesn't necessarily happen that way occasionally, but I think The fact of the matter is what most people don't realize is that the people who are the most visible, for the most part, the people who are speaking on stages, who are interviewed on the most podcasts are actively pitching themselves or have someone pitching them. So they don't just magically always get invited to be on a stage or on a podcast. Yes, when the the fabulous thing is that once you're on one podcast or on one stage, you're in front of more people, that visibility does open doors. Someone sees you, they hear you, they invite you to be on their podcast or on their stage. So it creates a bit of a snowball effect, but it's the people who are consistently putting themselves out there and consistently marketing who create those opportunities. So PR is not a question of luck. Yes, there's always a teeny, teeny, teeny bit of luck, but in my book, my definition is for luck is that PR happens when preparation meets opportunity. So, but why isn't it just enough to just write a really great book? Because there are a lot of great books out there and you have to help it get discovered. So that's, that's the sad truth. I know it's a frustrating thing, especially for creative types that they then have to do the marketing. Why doesn't it just get discovered, but that doesn't happen. 
So, I mean, once in a blue, blue moon, you know, the story of the Hollywood movie stars being discovered as soda fountain, but that's, some right. of that is myth. Some of it perhaps <laughs> is true. And, and, you know, waiting for that to happen is probably not going to get you where you want to be. So being proactive is really the key. And if I can, I'll just share that, you know, there are simple things you can do every day to start getting that visibility. I call them PR habits and it doesn't really take much. My favorite one is what I teach my clients called hug an influencer. So you've probably heard that having a network and contacts is beneficial, right? So when I say influencer, to hug an influencer, it doesn't mean an Instagram influencer. This can be a thought leader, someone you respect, someone you'd like to work with, anyone in a position of influence for you and or your ideal audience. And the way that you do that is to like, comment, follow them on social media. And why this is so incredibly valuable is, first of all, you're letting them know that you value their content. And anyone who puts out content knows how frustrating it can be, whether you put a post on social media, a newsletter, whatever it is to hear crickets. You put something out there, no one comments, no one replies. And, you know, you start to doubt yourself and you wonder if you should bother continuing to put out the content and all sorts of thoughts go through my head anyway. And I think I'm not alone in this. And so by just validating someone, you're giving them that support and saying, hey, this is really great. Now, if you give them some solid feedback, like specific feedback, I love where you spoke about XYZ, that's incredibly valuable. The other thing it does, which is really great, is it starts to build a relationship. You get on their radar. Now, if this was a podcast host or a journalist, then your name becomes familiar. And at some point, they might turn around and say, hey, what do you do? Or if you went ahead to pitch them, they would already know your name and that you had been supporting them and they would be receptive to it. And just a sweet story. One of my students was doing this with someone that she really respected. This was a Twitter. She was following him and retweeting his tweets. And one day he said, hey, you know, I see you've been like commenting. What do you do? And they had this exchange on Twitter and he said, hey, I'd love to get you on my podcast. And she sent me a message said, I'm so excited. I'm going to be on this podcast. And I said to her, do you realize that's one of the top 50 podcasts? Like that's phenomenal. And this was just authentic hugging. She had no agenda. That wasn't her goal to be on his podcast. She really didn't realize this guy was like a big deal, <laughs> which is actually even sweeter. You know, and so great things like that can happen. And the the other thing I just want to say about that with shifts that have been going on in the media, newsrooms are shrinking. A lot more journalists are freelancing. And so they need to get their content seen. Their work and livelihood depends on people seeing their content and it getting shared. So by you doing that, you're actually helping them continue to write and be able to use you in one of their next stories. So I really like this, this approach, the, the hug and influencer approach. And one of the things I, I appreciate about it is the lack of specific agenda and, and or, or I, I should say the lack of specific expectation. As I understand it, you're reaching out, you're engaging, but not like, okay, I left a post on your blog. So now you should do something for me. 
just a, a very authentic, hey, I'm going to support you. I think you're doing great work. If it goes somewhere, awesome. And if it doesn't, I still like you and you're doing great work. So I'm going to leave a comment. Uh, that's my interpretation of it. So stop me, Jane, if I'm over-interpreting things. <laughs> Well, that that can be one way to do it, but I encourage people to be strategic about it. If you want to be in a specific publication or you want to have something written about, find out who writes about your topic, who writes in your industry, who writes for that publication and follow them and like and comment authentically. Don't just say, I love your article if you don't. I mean, be authentic, be genuine, but start doing that for the people that you would love to have write about you. And then after a fair amount of time when you've given them lots of love, then turn around and send them a pitch, probably not via social media, unless they say they like to get pitched on social media, email them the pitch, but your name will be familiar. And that's the beauty of it. So so I appreciate the distinction of the word strategic. So it's not just random people on the internet. It's people who, uh, there there was was an intentionality and an alignment there. What else? So, I, I mean, I love that tip <laughs> and, you know, as a great place to get started. So we, we've touched on a little bit about why people should care about PR being exposed to, to the world. You know, it's not just you write something great. It's, you know, people have to know about it. And you already mentioned one way to start connecting. What are some other ways that you can position yourself as an expert? Yeah. So it's really sounds so basic, but to know your audience and know what they care about and where they spend time. So there are so many social platforms and you can't really do a good job on all of them. And it probably doesn't make sense to be on all of them. So pick, I'd say three tops platforms that you want to be on and share content there that is of interest to you, but also of interest to your audience and share, you know, I believe in sharing your best content Some people think, oh, I have to save it because that's for my paying clients. And in most cases, people will hear it, but they still would want to work with you. You could give them all the information for free and they'll still want to work with you and have you guide them through a process or a program, especially once you've built up that visibility and that expert positioning. People want to be around the best. You know, you could call it celebrity and people will pay more to be around you and work with you. And they won't be. The interesting thing about it is they stop trying to negotiate your price once you've reached a certain level of authority, positioning and expert and thought leadership, if you will. So they expect they're going to pay top dollar and they're not going to come and start haggling, which I find kind of fascinating. So what else can you do to, to do that? So know where your audience is, share great content, support other people and share their content. I think that's really important. And also be authentic and vulnerable. You don't have to share your greatest scary fears and insecurities and all that, but you know, share something real. Putting out that perfect facade really doesn't make you relatable. Like having perfect pictures all the time doesn't make you that relatable. So be willing to be, you know, or to highlight something goofy you did. Like (laughs) I woke up the other morning, I didn't post about this on social media, but in my sort of pre-morning fog, I saw this splot on the wall and I'm like, oh my God, what's that? And I went to get my glasses and sure enough, there was this big hairy caterpillar, like giant 
<laughs> it would have been a comedy scene if anyone had filmed me trying to capture it, to throw it out on my terrace. But anyway, so, you know, it's kind of those moments where we're just at our ourself with nobody watching and, and the things that we do that can make us endearing and relatable. But, you know, other than that, I think there, so, okay, so what can you do? So one of the easiest things that you can do is start to respond to journalist queries. So become a source for them. So there are a couple of services, which I call media matchmaking services. The most popular one that many of the listeners may have heard of is called Help a Reporter Out or Arrow. And basically there are are journalists who are working on a story, it's already been approved, and they're looking for a source. They may be looking for a quote, some tips, a case study, anything like that to complete the story. And this is such a great method because it's free and it's pretty quick and it comes into your inbox and you don't have to come up with story ideas. You don't have to figure out who to pitch. You just respond to the email. And if they accept your response, then you probably get press within the next week or two, which is pretty great. That's actually interesting when you, when you talk about getting press because I haven't thought about getting press in forever because everything's focused on social media. And you know, what are you putting out on social media? How are you connecting with your followers and all of that? So I, I may be dragging our conversation backwards here a little bit, but I guess I had thought, kind of thought, and apologies to any journalists out there, that press was kind of dead. But you're telling me it's, it's definitely not. And so say more to that. Yeah. So press is definitely not dead. It is evolving, which we can talk about if we have time. But the thing about press is that it's the highest form of content that you can get. And the reason for that, it's called earned media. So advertising is paid media. You have your website, your social channels, which are owned media, meaning you own them and you can control the content, except for what the Facebook algorithm does to your content. But basically, you control what you put on them. So with, with press, it's earned media. To be featured in the press and the media, you have to earn the right, if you will, for them to write about you. So you have earned that recognition, that visibility, that credibility above your competitors, or you've pitched consistently and have that credibility so that the media writes about you. So when people see you in the media, it they have a reaction to that. They realize that the media is vetting the people they write about. They don't write about everyone. So you must be special because they've written about you. And look, they the media spends a lot of time, just like many of us do, trying to cultivate and maintain their audience. So they only want to put the best content in front of their audience. So People understand that, maybe not in the way I'm stating it, but there's a certain reaction when you see someone in the media and there is a brand association, if they're in the New York Times or in Forbes or, say, USA Today, some big national publication or even a local publication, you get that positive brand association and that earned respect and earned media. So it's really the highest type of content, plus the visibility is incredible and it's free. So that's really interesting. And, and I, I, I appreciate that because, you know, like I say, on one hand in my head, I was like, I, I thought it was all about social media. But on the other hand, you know, I just recorded with it with a guest the other day and 
based off, you know, their press list on their website, I was like, holy cow, (laughs) you know, am I good enough to be interviewing this person? And it, it did just, it brought instant credibility. I mean, I didn't go look up articles. I didn't do any of that. It was just like, wow, they've been in some great publications. And so, but I hadn't made that connection till you, till you just mentioned it. So that's really cool. I love it when my own preconceived notions get shattered like that and, and I find something new here. Let me ask this. Is there kind of a sweet spot to aim for? You know, I think it's great to have multiple goals. So some people think, oh, local press is not worth doing. But, you know, local press is great for a number of reasons. First of all, it's often easier to get. If it's regional, they've got to write about people who live in the area. So, you know, you're not competing with like a New York Times type audience. It's smaller. Like my town has 30,000 people. So to get the local paper, you know, it's a lot easier. The New York Times has millions of readers. But the other reason is that so it can be great. It can be easier. It can be great practice. So if it's a local TV or radio station, it can be better to do that as your first on air interview than to do it on Good Morning America. And they probably wouldn't even put you on air on Good Morning America if you've never been on camera live because live TV, if you're a deer in the headlights, all of a sudden, if you freeze, you know, that that would be a disaster. So that probably wouldn't happen. So get some practice locally. But a few other great reasons. So many good reasons to do it. You never know who is reading a local paper. The town that I live in is a New York City bedroom community that has a lot of New York Times columnists. It has a number of TV producers. So if I get in a local paper here, there are some pretty connected media people who are going to see me in my local paper and it could get picked up elsewhere. And that could happen anywhere, not just where I happen to live, but that can happen. Some local papers also get syndicated, which means that the content also gets placed into many other publications. So for instance, the Kentucky Sentinel gets republished, their columns that get republished in USA Today. And that's not something you would just know off the bat, but that is the case. So you just never know with local. And the last reason it's great is it gives you a boost. It gives you something to put in your media room to share and it's legitimate media coverage. And so, well, you know, before we started recording, you'd mentioned there's a difference between fake PR and real PR. So, but we hadn't gotten any deeper than that. So I'm really curious. So what is the difference between fake and real PR and how do we make sure we're staying on the real side of it? Yeah. So there are, so with PR, there are no guarantees. So if someone says, I guarantee I can get you in Forbes, that's not legitimate PR. That may mean they know a columnist who's willing to take money, which is actually illegal and violates a publication's terms of services to write about you. And if you, you know, if you're comfortable doing that, then, hey, you can say you're in Forbes and, and so it goes. There are a number of ways that you can pay to get what looks like media coverage. There are websites that say, oh, we'll write a profile about you here. But if you actually look at the website, it gets no traffic. So, you know, you have to understand there's, there's something wrong with paying for something. If you understand what it is, you know, getting your profile written on a website that's no one, no one is going to see is, (laughs) 
vanity at best, you know, it's not really going to get you any results. So some of that I feel is being put out as PR or media coverage when it really isn't. I mean, it's a website and they do profiles, that kind of thing. There are some legitimate outlets now that are charging you to be on them. So, and there are some outlets that are just outlets where you pay, like there are some celebrities who created these TV shows and they'll charge you like $25,000 to be on their show. But again, no one really sees it. So you really need to find out what the outlet really is, what the opportunity is. And if they're asking you to pay, why are they asking you to pay? Like what, what is, what does that mean? Most legitimate media don't ask you to pay. That said, there are some some trends happening where some of the major TV networks, when they do a show about best products, like, you know, best beach toys, let's say, those may be paid placements. Like the best of show, I don't know if Oprah, if you had to pay to be like an Oprah's, I don't think her favorite things, but some segments like that, the, the product companies are paying to put the product in there. And unfortunately, it's not disclosed to you. Like Instagram started requiring people who were doing, who were getting paid to promote something, those Instagram influencers to disclose that they were being paid to promote the product. But that's not the case on even some of these major networks. So it can be a little bit unclear. And that's where some of the gray area has come in. And there are even sections on certain websites that look like they're news articles. But if you look somewhere on the page, it'll probably say like news advertisement or something that is kind of like a mix of advertising and news. And it's meant to look like it's part of the paper, but it's a paid placement. And so it's it it is. Is it trying to fool the viewer? Maybe a little bit. We've covered a lot of ground here so far, Jane. And so I just kind of want to recap, make sure I, I have this. So one, PR is a good thing. Letting people know about what you do is a great thing. I probably can't have too many people who know what you do, know about your book, know about your business, whatever you've got going on. Press is a good way to get started. You'd mentioned the hug an influencer of just doing outreach. I, I interpret that as non-aggressive outreach because we've all had the, the aggressive outreach, the, the sales pitch where someone friends you. And then when you friend them back, they immediately DM you with whatever their pitch is. And we all hate that. And I don't know why they do that because I can't imagine it working, but maybe it does. So don't do that. But anyway, to, so strategic outreach, just making yourself known amongst the people that you want to be known amongst and, and letting that develop and working towards towards it, elevating others, making sure you're known as the person who's bringing other people to light, right? You know, kind of, kind of raising their ship and, and yours goes up with it as well. What did I miss or, or what haven't we touched on of just, you know, if you don't know where to start, what else can you do to kind of get the ball rolling? Yeah. So one of the things that we haven't spoken about is when you do get press, re-promoting it. So people think that just, I shouldn't say just, but being featured somewhere in the media is the end of the story. And it's great. Congratulations. You've been featured in the media. Now you've got an incredible asset that you can keep re-promoting. So if you think about it like this, say that Brock was written up in the New York Times today. I didn't read the New York Times today, and I bet someone else listening didn't read it. So for us, 
it didn't happen, right? So you've got this incredible accomplishment that you should share with us to say, hey, I'm so honored. I was written up in the New York Times or wanted to share this article with you. And that's not just the day it happens the day after, but that's something you can put into your social scheduler and re-promote in six weeks, let's say, or in your newsletter, you know, put it in all sorts of different places, update your bio on your social profiles to include that, hey, you know, featured in the New York Times, because that's a valuable asset. And that's, again, that positive brand association. People know the brand, the New York Times, or they know the Washington Post or Entrepreneur Magazine. So you want to associate with those brands that are recognizable because that's that instant authority positioning, as you mentioned recently. So it creates that instant association and instantly elevates you to a new level in their eyes without having to say anything else. So we come back to the word strategic, and this is, is definitely a, a multi-step process. This isn't just a, hey, I'm going to become an expert today, an influencer today, get in the paper today. But you've kind of laid this out as, well, when you start by getting intentional, researching who you want to associate with, who you want to be known by, helping elevate others there, making those connections, having them come uh, come out, whether it's an article or you're on a podcast or, or whatever it is. But then also not letting it die right there, letting continuing it on. So th this is a whole process, but I like that it's a process. We're being intentional and we're, we're building on the, the past success. So we're out there, we're known a little bit. Where do we go from there? Yeah. So one of the best things that you can do is set up a media room on your website. It can just be a simple page. It doesn't have to have any fancy format and highlight these media experiences, media successes, podcasts, all of that, because it speaks volumes. You know, people will check out your about page and they'll check out your media page. And the thing is, that's also worth noting is that the media will check you out. You know, anyone before they do business with you, hop on a Zoom with you, will Google you, right? And so what do they see? So if they see if you know if you make a representation about yourself when they google you it should support that i don't know if you've ever had i've had this happen where someone tells me they're an expert in xyz and i google them and something else completely comes up now look we've all had a pivot or made a shift in our career but that's important to mention if when i go to google you <laughs> i'm going to see your other career and there's no no mention of what You've told me you're an expert at now. That raises the red flags and the credibility. And if that was the case with the media, they would pass on you because so, they would be putting, it would be their reputation on the line and they'd get reamed over by their editor if they they put someone in who, you know, they said was an expert in something and the internet says that's not the case. So I haven't experienced that with someone doing a pivot, but I have experienced it with someone who says they're an expert in something and you go look them up and not only are they not doing what they said they were an expert in, well, there's just no evidence on the internet that they have experience with that, but we all start somewhere. So how do we walk that line of, Hey, I'm getting started in this. I'm excited about it. I want to get known in it, but really I am just getting started in it. Yeah, so I think it's we've spoken about the social media posts. Another great way 
to build up some of your authority is to contribute to blogs or write bylined articles. And what that means is to write an article for another publication that you put your name on. And this is a great way to show off your expertise, build authority, positioning, and it's kind of perceived like you're you're in the media. It's it's pretty close to and and alongside being featured in the media because let's face it, publications get pitched on a lot of bylined articles or stories, just like blog owners. I get pitches all the time, but most of them are not content that I want. So if you've been featured in a publication, they said, sure, we'd love your article. Then you've earned that media, you've earned that positioning, and they haven't featured 10 other people who claim that they're XYZ expert. So that means a lot. And you get the brand association of being in that publication and you get the visibility to their audience. And, you know, it's like a warm recommendation. The media is not endorsing you, but being in a publication, whether they've written about you or you've contributed the article is interpreted by the reader, listener, viewer as a recommendation from that media outlet. So it comes across like a warm introduction instead of a cold connection. Yeah, sort of the opposite of guilt by association. You know, I guess it's credibility by association. Exactly. Well, as as we start wrapping up here, so a couple questions for you. And, And one is, one that I always ask all my guests is simply... What can the listener do for you? What would your ask be of the listener? Yeah, connect with me on the socials. And I'd love to hear the experiences, any takeaways from this and any questions that they have. All right. So, well, that leads right into my next question. Where can people find you? Yeah. So if they go to simplygoodpress.com, they can find all my socials, et cetera. And I have a visibility assessment there. It's free. It's fun. No, sometimes people say, oh my God, it's an assessment, a test. What if I don't score well? No, just look at it as information. It will give you an idea of where you are with your visibility and potential opportunities where you could get more visibility. All right. And I can say before we, we got on here, I was looking at that assessment and even just the questions, uh, I, I hadn't finished it or anything, but even just the questions is asked like, oh, well, no, I haven't done that recently. And oh, well, yeah, okay. I've got that piece. But so anyway, very, very interesting and very useful. I think we've just had good conversation, good advice and, and a good place for, for people to get started. And so thank you so much for being on here tonight, Jane. Hey, thanks for having me, Brock. <laughs> 